Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplett, Michael Sidrick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamplin and Sidgwick to review NXT, the Fallout episode following TakeOver in your house. An eventful one at that, Michael Hamplin. Yeah, eventful's the word because stuff definitely happened. Um, I dare say much of that will be divisive. Odd episode this to me. I, I think I liked it as an overall presentation, but I've still got like quite deep-rooted concerns with why that is. Um you know, we're going to talk a lot about authority figures in this episode and Smojo's the big headline. And I certainly think he's a big enough headline that people will flock to this NXT and nobody flocks to NXT. Like to talk about it, to watch it, anything. So mission accomplished for like week one of this idea. Smart for them to effectively leak the news days before so people would tune in feeling like they knew rather than it being a complete out of the blue surprise. Um, yeah, it's like Joe was great. Joe was really good. Um, but he... And I'm going to give them a bit of time. I'm going to be patient. Like Regal's record is okay. So I'm going to, rarely what it is to do to me, but I'm going to let it play out a little bit. But like Sean and Hunter are mom and dad and Regal's like angry uncle. Joe can't be tough big brother. He can't just slot into that spot. And in week one, there were already suggestions that that was going to occur. Um, there's like lots of little bits. We'll talk. Obviously, I know the Joe stuff will probably go into in a bit of detail. He's the headline story of this week's NXT. The show was like shaped around him. And I did think this was an enjoyable episode, more so than it would have been. As a result, I just can't commit fully to praising it like wholeheartedly because I just know what to do with authority figures. Yeah, I mean, the big takeaway was the introduction of Samoa Joe. And not to jump ahead too much, so I will try and keep my um, thoughts a bit succinct here. It was an Excellent, excellent presentation of something that I hate. Legitimately, it was like eating just one of those tomatoes that Damien Priest was toying at the Miz and John Morrison. I don't like tomatoes, don't like fresh tomatoes. I hate them, but I can understand that people like them. And this one looked particularly glowing red. It was like listening to really great jazz music. 
never been a jazz guy. You know what yeah. I mean? I can see that it was obviously very good for what it was, but I hate authority figures. I hate what a narrative crutch they are. Um, so I didn't like it. And I'll go into the specifics of why I don't like it and what I liked about this one from a completely dispassionate <laughs> distance as we go into the show itself, which otherwise was highlighted by quality main event. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed this week's show. Uh, I do have reservations like the both of you about, you know, <laughs> Samoa Joe effectively being William Regal's pit bull that he just sick and boy. And then that's what happens. And then it's just like you say, an overbearing authority figure uh, storyline that dominates the entire show. Because I've enjoyed for the most part William Regal as the you know authority figure, despite the fact it's been completely chaotic. On NXT, and I think all of our colleagues, uh, one Adam Nicholas, summed it up perfectly. Uh, at it's Adam Nicholas, go and give him some love for this tweet because it made me laugh this morning. The old, just when I was out, they pulled me back in, and the footage of him choking out Adam Cole, which we will get to in due course. But let's dive in. Let's start at the beginning of the show, which uh, began with a recap, of course, of Takeover in Your House, and then out came William Regal, very serious, very emotional. Uh, he's fighting back the tears, effectively. He's talking about NXT and being in there since the beginning, talking about doing commentary and calling the first takeover and the success of NXT over the years, doing the shows overseas, doing a show in Blackpool. His niece is being there, and he thanked the NXT fans uh, for, for allowing him to do this and being able to travel over the country and all over the globe with it all. Um, but he did admit, yes, yeah, it's been a bit chaotic recently on NXT. I think recently he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. But anyway, uh, but he said he'd given everything he could give. There's tears rolling down his face. Uh, he's not capable of giving the audience or the staff what they deserve. But before he can make his announcement decision, whatever you want to call it, out comes NXT champion Karrion Cross, the bastard that he is, of course, flanked by Scarlett. Uh, he walks down to the ring. He said, we knew this day would come. We just didn't know when. And he's he's bullying him. He's, are you crying? What's wrong with you? He called him completely pathetic. He said he knew Regal was losing control of NXT. And he, quotes, punched a hole through the Mount Rushmore of NXT. Uh, Regal knew, Cross said, that he could control NXT through violence and chaos. And... Cross said, I want you to say it, William Regal. I want you to say you are leaving and then you walk your ass up that aisle and you never come back. And whilst you're at it, say Cross conquers all. Yeah, before any of that bollocks could happen, Samoa Bloody Joe's music hits. Huge, huge pop from the crowd. They, they, they chant, Joe, Joe, Joe. He walks down. Oh, he rolls back the years. He's wearing that blue suit. He, he walks in and he says, Regal! It just, oh, got chills with all this. Uh, he said, I, I heard you wanted to speak to me. Uh, and effectively, William Regal sell, said he wanted to be the new GM commissioner, whatever you want to call it, of NXT. And Joe went, absolutely not. Uh, but he explained why. He said, look, you brought the best talent to NXT. You made NXT an international phenomenon in seven years. You ran this promotion. Your shoes are too big. Your big shoes, mate, are too large to fill. So instead, he is going to make him an offer. He's staring at Karrion Cross. I'm getting very excited about what potentially could happen, even though he's not cleared to compete. Calm down, Adam. Uh, he says, look, I will be here to make sure everyone respects you. Regal went, you know what? I'm interested in that, but there have to be some conditions here. You cannot be a competitor. You're not medically cleared to compete. 
and you cannot lay a hand on anyone. Big, disappointed sigh from the crowd. Well, unless you're provoked. And we all know what that means. I mean, we saw what happened very, very soon after that. Joe accepts the conditions and, uh, yeah, just sort of negs the champion. He walks up to Cross. says, what are you still doing in the ring? Tick-tock, young champion. And Cross, tail between his legs, leaves the ring. They do their... I still remember when JR had to try and sing this. Na na, na 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 na. Hey 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 hey. Goodbye. They do that song basically. And uh, Regal and Joe shake hands. What an opening this was, Hamlet. Yeah, mostly great. This mostly great. Um, liked them finally committing to carrying Cross as a heel. Um, it was heavy-handed, but like I was ready for that because there's not enough like. Heavy-handed scripting of like heels and baby faces at NXT generally. So to actually kind of announce Karrion Cross as because even on Sunday, even booked as this like killer, he wasn't particularly positioned as a heel for doing it. If anything, he was like surviving the onslaught of the four. So I quite like that that they were like finally like um, in the colours to the mass with him. You know, he obviously saw the heat that Richard Madeley drummed up on Twitter for saying that men don't cry on Twitter, and he thought I'll have that. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, learning from the best. So at least he's at least he's like doing his homework. Um, so I liked um, the cross and regal interaction. And yeah, the, the introduction of Joe was really good. Um, Joe put over regal in a way that, like, I don't think NXT ever does, but you can do it every now and then. Like, he is the kind of outlier as far as WWE authority figures go. He's the one that most people haven't grown completely sick of, um, especially over the last couple of years when they've started to undermine him a lot more. I think it's like quite impressive that a lot of people were on Sunday seemingly mourn the potential exit of William Regal. So Joe like kind of like brought some voice to that. I really like um, the little the little reference. It wasn't overt. It wasn't something they were drawing from. But the fact that Joe used to be the source of Regal's rage mm. and the, ev- that ever slight nudge to that that like the reason for the chaos used to be Samoa Joe. So now he's going to be the one that oversees it and tries to block it off a little bit. Um, it's a lived-in experience for Samoa Joe. I was never a huge fan of Steve Austin can touch if provoked, but people love it, and people have like a lot of nostalgic fondness for that Austin run. Um, so they'll probably do well with it with Joe here as well. Evidence of it on night one, I think, was important, and I think they probably got that right. You know, we'll get onto that with the Adam Cole one, but you, you kind of need to see action of it once, and I thought that was quite effective it, to see how the thing's going to play out. Um, so, yeah, a little bit cheesy, but... I did like, there was something else in this show, like a very small detail that I think we'll see one day again with Smojo. But I thought they drew from the past in a way that was most pleasing without being over the top. So yeah, like again, just to like build on Cedric's point, presentation, pretty, pretty great, even though it kind of makes you feel nervous about what's to come. Presentation was great. This was a great segment that I hated. An objectively <laughs> very good bit of television that made NXT feel momentous, interesting, but it's just all built around a trope that I hate. It, this is total monkey paw stuff for me in that this opening 15 minutes of TV like legitimately answered like at least three of my biggest gripes about NXT in 2021 on a mi- micro and macro level, and I still hated it. I'm not impossible to please. I'm not. Thank Christ, Karen Cross is a heel. They've realised even the biggest least discerning NXT guys on Squared Circle or social media or whatever, even they are like, oh, Karrion Cross kind of sucks. <laughs> this like intense hard guy who you can't really tell if he's a heel 
which kind of sucks because he's impossible to root for and he's not a great worker, et cetera, et cetera. They've realized, right, people don't like him. Let's solidify him as a heel. Perfect. And I thought verbally he was very good as a heel. I've been pouring out, crying out for some elusive emotion in NXT and William Regal. If you worked it, you had to channel something. What awesome, incredible performance from William Regal this was. Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous um, work and performance. He's really lost nothing. He's still there. He wasn't really saying goodbye and like informing his farewell speech with the very real passion with which he's tried to do something with this brand. What a performance from Regal. Cross was great on the mic, like detestable. Like the foil was there. I don't think you could ever do this without being like in the vicinity of this William Regal in this moment. And Joe is, is just, he's the badass babyface, the just babyface who knows how to be a badass, an intense ass kicker, but without like being ridiculously indiscriminate about our chin, everyone. Like he knows what's just, he knows what's wrong, and he stared what was wrong straight in the face. Monkey Paw, that match, somehow I got thrilled by the prospect of a Karrion Cross IRL match graphic, and it can't happen. And then <laughs> one or two segments later, he's choking out your top heel, and I'm thinking, nah, 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 nah. They're not, they're grown men. They are grown men, and they are, they've been reduced to the level of squabbling children who need to be remonstrated with by daddy. And I hate it. I don't care who daddy is. I just don't care. Um, monkeys, port stuff. All of this is conditional. If, in fact, they are working us, and it turns out that Samoa Joe can, in fact, go at least one more time and is murdered by Cross, and then a baby face emerges and then beats Cross. All of this, I think, will probably be worth it. But then again, no, because he's choking out Adam Cole. And I can't imagine Kenny Omega getting choked out by an authority figure on the other channel. I can't imagine John Moxley being shunted to one side like Kyle O'Reilly was by a security guard and just kind of standing there. Like, no chance, because he's a grown man in the the, the the children on this NXT show. And no matter how good this Samoa Joe presentation is, it does not obscure the fact that these people are children. Like Almost literally in the case of Johnny Gargano later on as well. <laughs> Uh, we follow that up with a promo from the grizzled young veterans ahead of that tornado tag team tussle later on in the evening, uh, saying they were basically going to kick uh, Champion Thatcher's heads in, in summary. And then we got Breezango versus Imperium. No entrance for Breezango, disappointed with that. Um, Imperium mostly in control, uh, beating down on Fandango, cutting him off anytime he looked like he was about to make it to his corner or make some sort of comeback. They sneakily skirt the rules or do whatever they need to to, to keep uh, Tyler Breeze out of the action and make sure they've got this injured Fandango to concentrate on. Uh, they come back from break, they're still beating him up, but finally there's the hot tag to Tyler Breeze. He fights back, but uh, Eichner does take him out with a lariat. Um, in the midst of all this, though, out of nowhere, Tyler Breeze snatches up Eichner with a small package, gets the three count, and then immediately Imperium beat down Breeze, beat down Fandango, lay out Tyler Breeze and, well, put him underneath an Imperium flag. Where have I seen that recently? Oh, no. But anyway, this this annoying this because it didn't really seem to do anything. Like, it's the old, well, Breezango won, but Imperium got their heat back, so... 
it's not like you're elevating both. It feels like they both just stay in the same position. Is that fair, Sige? No, it's completely fair. I would describe this as stupid and boring. <laughs> and, and stupid and boring and meaningless. It accomplished nothing. The result did not resonate as a victory in terms of how the finish was executed and the post-match idea. Like, you've literally got a ratings crisis going on in NXT. Like, the Friday Dynamites are still beating NXT in the demos. And the viewership's not good, but they're still beating them in the demos. Like, people are not interested in this brand whatsoever. It is vastly unappealing to them. They finally start a conversation, and then they get Imperium out next. Hmm. Yeah. What are you thinking? This act is ice cold, totally uninteresting. And I understand that they are talented, very talented in the ring. They want to do something with them. Don't do it like immediately after you start a conversation. Stupid positioning. A match that did literally nothing for me, really. Um, inconclusive post-match. Just a terrible idea. Yeah, I thought this put over Samoa Joe's success in his new role really well because this was the antithesis of entertainment and chaos, wasn't it? <laughs> like he's quieting everything down within one segment. Um, fair play to him. I yeah, my thoughts exactly. I couldn't figure out why this, why this off the back of that hot opening segment where you set NXT off on this brand new path. It's like a brand new path for NXT, but you know the most boring and like least interesting bit about the old path. We'll have like 10 plus minutes of that. I couldn't fathom why this was here, let alone on this, like in this slot on the show. Um, boring booking, like really risible 50-50 stuff with the flag stuff at the end. Um, but as you pointed out, Wilborn has been done so recently that even if it wasn't an intentional ripoff, it looks like one. So like it, it doesn't land as well as the first one did. Uh, yeah, like nothing. I got no interest. In, like the whole thing. I, I think you're probably supposed to think now is like, oh well, like what's what's Walter going to think about this? I don't care. Like I'm not answering as Walter by the way. Same when I don't care. <laughs> like I mean, like the real Walter. I'm not bothered about what the repercussions that like Imperium might have to face as a result of this because I feel like they've done that one. If anything, I assumed Brizango was set to lose, and then this was to inform that like heel turn is going to be teasing. Mm. Sick of getting beat. They've won the match, so uh, back on track then. Like cancel that. I just, I just it's so ineffective at everything. Uh, this was followed by another bit of Samoa Joe. Uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. It's chaotic backstage at NXT every single week. The moment the clock ticks around to I don't know what time it starts in America. Eight, I assume. Eight. Um, they have a pull, yeah, they have a pull apart brawl. Uh, Regal's trying to separate them. He's yelling at them. He's saying, look, we'll settle it at the Great American Bash one-on-one and you can pick opponents tonight to face next week. Cole's furious. He's like, I should be fighting Kyle O'Reilly. In the midst of all this, Samoa Joe stepped in to just try and keep everyone apart, but Cole barges past Joe, shoves him out of the way and starts attacking Kyle O'Reilly up against the the wall, uh, whatever it is. And... Yeah, Joe goes, all right, that counts as, you know, physically being provoked, I think. Takes off his suit jacket and immediately locks Adam Cole in the coquina clutch, chokes him out, lays him down. He's out cold. And I love the bit where he shouts to security, tell him when he wakes up, Regal expects his decision. (laughs) And flirt. I I am not stupid, but there's a WWE logo in the middle of the X of NXT that reminds me that I am a little bit 
for watching this product for 30 odd years. And this is just how they do things. They think of their lowest common denominator audience to like, did you not get what we were laying out in the opening segment? Well, here's visible evidence of what it actually means. You'll get to see it play out. Um, they want people to know that this is what Joe can do. They want people to know that the chaos isn't cleaned up yet and that Joe has to affect change. Change is still needed because even though we've seen video packages and even though we've seen these brawls forever, we need to see more brawls to show what Samojo is going to do to clean things up. So like functional, but like there are some things that me and Cedric are completely on the same page about and authority figures wielding the sort of power is exactly one of them. Wrestlers being reduced to children. All we see when we look at this is Stephanie McMahon in the mid-carder. It doesn't matter that Samojo choking out Adam Cole. It's like pick your favourite wrestler and have Stephanie McMahon bollock them for 10 minutes on a roll because that's all this is, just the, like in different outfits and in different people's bodies. Um, so yes, I understood the function of this segment and I dare say there'll be a couple more of them to just hammer it home. Um, but I, it's not what I want to see from Samojo playing this like kind of security. Not lots of it, anyway. I just want to see Adam Cole be the superstar babyface that he actually could be, not um, a child being remonstrated with by his um, surrogate school teacher. Just woeful, woeful, woeful. I just hate it. Here's the thing. Authority figures used to be amazing when there were two specific ones. They were Eric Bischoff and Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon didn't like slap Austin around and Austin was getting held back by a security guard, right? Mr. McMahon plotted the most incredibly elaborate schemes, so elaborate and so captivating and so twisting that not only did they make for great must-see episodic telly, but even a whip-smart babyface like Austin, you couldn't possibly think of him as an idiot for not like spotting what was going on, right? In fact, the more plot tools at some points, the better, right? Because you want to protect your baby face rather than something ridiculous like the sanctity of your storytelling in the pro wrestling soap opera of the 1990s. Eric Bischoff had an absolutely enormous gang that sprawled so much that felt like there was more of them in these literal stadium-sized crowds at Nitros at their early 98 peak, right? It then just became a plot device, right? We can't tell stories anymore because we're rubbish at this. So let's have some wrestlers squabble in the ring. Teddy Long comes out and does a tag team match. Or oh, main event, it's convenient. The main event segment set for tonight. What the authority figure does beyond reducing talent to not grown men and women badasses, but they destroy the idea of results-based storytelling by just having contrived conflicts happen and then a match is made you don't have to have won anything to get to that main event realistically you can just argue in the right place i hate general managers samoa joe is going to be a good authority figure i hate them we got a uh, promo from santos escobar talking about what happened at takeover in your house where he got smashed through the barricade by bronson reed of course he called it a tragedy um he said he's not going to stand for it he's coming for him uh, he felt something when he held that North American Championship, and he guaranteed to be the next champion. And then we got Kushida's Cruiserweight Open Challenge. Uh, the person answering it this week was one Trey Baxter, all heart Trey Baxter, uh, also known as Blake Christian. You may know him as elsewhere. 
a nice vignette uh, introducing him before he came out. And yeah, worked a really thrilling match with Kushida. Lots of acrobatics and things like that. Reversals. Uh, there was a hurricane runner and a leaping elbow from the top rope early on from, from Trey Baxter. He also then uh, built to doing a sort of, I don't know how to describe it, the jumping, twisting, flippy dippy doodah splash thing to the outside. Kyle O'Reilly, in the midst of all this, has walked out to admire this uh, match. Kashida goes for a handspring elbow. Baxter dodges it and it's a handspring Pele kick. That looked great. Um, and he catches Kashida later on in a running Spanish fly and hits a 450 splash for a great near fall. In the end, though, Kashida catches Baxter in a Kimura. Uh, they're both on the top rope and they jump off and it's like a jumping Kimura shoulder breaker thing. He punts the, the arm, punts the shoulder, puts him in the hoverboard lock and Baxter has no choice but to tap out. And O'Reilly comes down and challenges Kashida to a match next week, which Kashida accepts. This was good fun, this, Sige. It was. You're not going to get a finish to Kashida versus Tyler O'Reilly, by the way. An absolute pisser that is, because they don't want to be Kyle O'Reilly and they're not going to put the cruiserweight title on him either because he's having a match with Adam Cole, who probably shouldn't be a cruiserweight if these things mattered. All that's a bit of a mess. That will yield a potentially phenomenal professional wrestling match if it peaks yeah. at its like, massive top end of potential. As for... What's Blake Christian's new name again? Uh, his name is Trey Baxter. Trey Baxter. I thought I'd say Kyle Baxter. Baxter. Baxter, crap. What, what name generating crap that is. Don't like it. Don't like it. Some of his stuff looked tremendous. Clearly, he's going to be, well, maybe not because he's training in the performance center now, but clearly, he's probably going to be really, really good. Some of his stuff was like that. Oh, give me that. Oh, Christ, that'll talk some feeling. He did get badly lost at one point, mm-hmm. but you know, he's not been working that long. So, you know, like that element of his stuff will go. He's going to be, if he's in there with people like Kushida, then this is a thrilling glimpse of, I've seen a lot of this kind of wrestler. I will be honest to the point where I feel like so harsh saying, yeah, yeah, oh God, you know, 450 was good, but can you do like an eight, seven or five or whatever? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like the element of that, but clearly the guy has got a lot of talent and this was a sensible way to introduce someone who, while impressive, is not Kushida's level. Um, but I'm just I'm already looking at the finish to Kushida versus Kyle O'Reilly and hating it. I would agree about the kind of a nice way to have, like soft launch a wrestler like this. I thought like the high spots felt a bit like empty calories by the end, but early on, like I allowed myself to be shocked by them. It's that like that kind of that first couple of times maybe you see Ben Carter and you, like that that's kind of what it reminded me of. And then by the end of the match, it's like, ah, right, yeah, it's it's not the wrestlers' faults. They can do amazing things that I'd never been able to. It's just you see a lot of them all the time. Um, so it's how they're woven into the match. Or certainly, the more you learn about the character, the more you care. And if you think of like Pax Black Arrow, what that move means, what that man means, and everything that goes with it, versus like ten more high spots than you get in a pack match in the last like two minutes of this match. Um, but that's what this can be for. It is a cruiserweight title open invitational. So it's absolutely allowed to follow that formula. Um, and yeah, like Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida is them playing with their match graphic generator and yielding something quite interesting, I suppose. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I kind of feel the same about the finish too. Like O'Reilly and Adam Cole for the Great American Bash was unexpected and interesting. But it has taken the wind perhaps out of the sails of this 
Mm. what must be a first time in NXT at least meeting between Kushida and Kyla I can't think of another time in NXT they met so it's like a pretty decent first time match for a, for just like a random throwaway television bout but yeah it's probably not going to be finished is it the worst thing is if it was like I don't give a shit really if I see a non-finish with wrestlers I don't like I just yeah like God, God this match would be great man like mm. In summary, uh, Hamlet then, Trey Baxter, incredibly talented, obviously, but name-wise, he's no Mike Hop, is he? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say so. He, he, he takes a beating, obviously, as we saw, but not like Mike Hop did. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, backstage with uh, Mackenzie Mitchell was one Frankie Monet, who, fantastic news, announces an encore next week. She's going to have another match. Uh, And then she bumps into uh, Leah and Jesse Camilla, who uh, had a match um, on the kickoff show, the pre-show. Yeah, the pre-show, we're calling that because... It was the pre-pre-show, of course. The pre-show to take over in your house. And she said, well, you probably would have won that match on Sunday. Had it not been for Robert Stone. They go, oh, you might have a point there. In comes Robert Stone. And she goes, oh, you look nice, Robert. And you're a great manager. And I love you and everything about you. And he's an idiot. So he doesn't realize what's going on, of course. Yeah, fun little stuff, this pamphlet. Yeah, it's a, it's a cute bit. They've done it now. We get this. Um, an encore almost feels like it needs to be even bigger than the first one because maybe that wasn't quite as spectacular enough. This was fine, but I, I get the joke now. So let's like start moving forward with Frankie Monet as a wrestler and as a character in an actual angle. Yeah, you could use the the, the sort of TV staple sage of uh, if you're going to have another interaction between the two of them, have Robert Stone go to press the Oh, that's a lovely little dog and it nips at his hand or something. Uh, why not? I mean, <laughs> just... I'm finding it a bit hard to care about any of this. 
well, I've got something that you will care about in a second. Uh, we also had a, a, a bit in the midst of all this with Mercedes Martinez watching back what happened with her and Tian Shah at TakeOver in your house. And she threatened everyone, uh, warned them not to mess with her again. And then we got LA Knight's million dollar coronation. Out comes Ted DiBiase, first of all. Uh, he has uh, got the million dollar championship on display in the ring and he uh, introduced uh, LA Knight. So uh, there's someone who's going to take over this mantle. Uh, so there was footage of what happened uh, at TakeOver. And then he arrives in a, I think it was a Corvette, I'm not sure, a fancy sports car. Uh, and he, he wanders down to the ring, cigar in his hand, uh, and cuts a promo saying, uh, not often in life you can meet your heroes, much less share a ring with them. He can barely describe what he's feeling right now and how he's carrying the DiBiase legacy. Look, he took a lot of uh, bumps rough bumps in that match he's banged up but it means the world to him to be here he grew up he idolized him he had the action figure it came with the belt blah 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 now he is holding that title and he said it'd be an honor ted if you would crown me the new million dollar champion DiBiase said he'd be glad to he draped the belt overnight shoulder pyro goes off they both do the the ted DiBiase laugh and then like and then knight takes the million dollar championship off his shoulder Looks at it in his hands, not at his hands, at the belt in his hands. But, you know, yeah, I see what you're doing. Um, and he said, now I've got everything that I wanted. It's time to drop what I don't need. And he lays out Ted DiBiase with a punch, goes to leave and then decides, no, I'm not finished here. Takes off his jacket and he kicks a crap out of the former million dollar man. He's putting the boots to him when who runs out to make the save, but... Eat baby. <laughs> God, <laughs> he runs down, he cleans house, he sends Knight out of the ring and he says, you cross the line, you cross the line. Great stuff, this Siege. I, I don't like Cameron Grimes very much in this role. I don't know if I like the rich guys being baby-faced mates. I just don't. LA Knight, however, I've got so much to I, I see coming a mile away and I didn't care. Yeah. Like, I like good, disingenuous knobs. I just do. And he was really good at it. It's like the longer it went on, yeah. the more I enjoyed it as well. He really indulged himself, didn't he? Yeah. Like pure 100% air quotes on an audio medium. Like sincerity and baby face. Like, I just, I'm in the LA night, man. I like him. <laughs> I like him as someone who I never want to see in a takeover main event. But he's proper good mid-card telly. And I think I like that sometimes more than gritty, intense main event stuff. Like, quality promo. Ted obviously took a flat back. Genuinely <laughs> taken aback by that. I thought they would do the kind of worked punch to, like, the shoulder that's made to look like the head and he can crumple down. But nope, flat back, obviously good stuff. Um yeah, I don't know where this is going to go or whether I like where it's headed, but LA Knight, good mid-card heel stuff there. Mm. Yeah, he was in fine form here. I'll say this for the Cameron Grimes character because my gut feeling is the same. Like, I'm not sure how much mileage there is in like Grimes and DiBiase suddenly having to be like sympathetic figures together and Grimes there to avenge like his the attack on his granddad. But the... He was one of the only guys to get any reaction in your house. And this save got like a huge pop. Yeah. And the next context, obviously, however many people in masks, a huge pop. People are really, really like, as we said, to be fair to us, let's put ourselves over for a change. Chomping at the bit to cheer this man. 
and it seems to be that's the opportunity they want to take the most is cheering Cameron Grimes. So they're probably leaning into that, if nothing else. People do seem to want this. Told you, keep the faith. Yeah, got a huge reaction. And uh, yeah, just really invested in this and where they go next with it, following it up next week. Uh, and yeah, the shenanigans we're going to get with two really rich dudes now wanting to go after a bloke who's got the million dollar title. Intriguing. Uh, another in backstage interview now, this time with uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Uh, and they're talking about the tag titles. They tell Candice Lorraine, Indy Hartwell, hold on to your tag titles real tight. We've got unfinished business. They got a match against uh, Casey Kanzar and Caden Carter coming up. They are, and then after they win that, they're going to go after the tag team champions. Uh, and as they're walking out for their match, it's chaos backstage. Have I mentioned that? Emma Moon and Shotzi Backlot are yelling at them uh, and Samoa Joe and, and William just go bloody get out there, please. So yes, we got Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai uh, versus Caden Carr and Casey Catanzaro. Casey Catanzaro getting her arse handed to her quite early on here. Unsurprising when she's going up against Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, eventually, Caden Carter gets the hot tag. She runs wild for a bit, but gets cut off and hit with a sidewalk slam by Gonzalez for a two count. A mad spot with uh, Katie Catanzaro flipping over the rope, bouncing off Carter's back and then hitting Gonzalez with a head scissors. Sort of slightly reminiscent of, is it the silly string that Private Party hit? Something similar to that, if you're wondering what it looked like. Um, Dakota Kai comes in. Uh, Kanzara Hurricane Rana's out of the ring. She hits a splash uh, through the ropes. Carter tags in, goes to the top turnbuckle, diving crossbody on both Kai and Gonzalez. Uh, Carter gives Kai a neck breaker. Kanzaro flips into a 450, and it looks like they've got the win. But Raquel Gonzalez drags Catanzaro out of the ring to break the count and then throws Carter into the barricade for good measure. Eventually, Catanzaro goes up to the top turnbuckle, but it gets caught there by Dakota Kai. GTK, one, two, three, Michael Hamflet. Yeah, I thought this was all right. Um, I think they were all a little bit guilty here, and I can understand why with an athlete like Catanzaro and the type of character you've got, you're portraying in Raquel Gonzalez, to indulge a little bit. Um, but I felt this was a little bit overindulgent to the detriment of all four of them because it got a bit sloppy. And there was a couple of times where there was that that like that one second that feels like a minute of hesitation in between spots. Um, there was particularly like botches happen, which is fine. But there was one, I think it was like off Gonzalez side slam, where like all of a sudden everything, it's like a Zach Morris freeze frame while they all stop and try and like recover their, their heads, working out what to do next because it's like one little thing has taken a second longer than it should have done. And I think there was a, a couple of times where that happened that like just ruined the flow a bit and affected the immersion. Um, you know, fine booking otherwise, like good use of your television time, good use of Gonzalez and Kai as the team. You've got a um, got a tag team feud lined up that can spin off to Gonzalez and Shotzi. You've got Kai and Gonzalez making no secret that at some point they want the titles. And your kind of gut feeling is their quest for the tag titles is probably going to be what rips them apart and sends them back into the singles. So I've got no real issue with the mapping of all of this. I just thought this match, like, it asked too much of them or they asked too much of themselves. I don't know, but it just it wasn't maybe what it could have been, like with five minutes less and a bit less urgency to get all your shit in. It's consistently wild to me that the company who have just piously told you time and time again, God, slow down. <laughs> means something. Don't get your shit in. It's doing that is like laying out these NXT matches. It feels like old men going on YouTube and watching PWG or something. It's PWG, let's face it. <laughs> and what, what's working? What's cool? What's cool? What's cool? That's how I like the matches. Now let's do this match. Like WWE. It's like, there's no craft to this. It's just a lot of moves. To be honest, I was entertained by some of the moves without not echoing Hamlet's valid complaints. 
I think you probably have reached a point at this point where Gonzalez is established enough where she can show a bit of ass, she can fly around, she can make Catanzaro look impressive again, which she hasn't looked like for quite some time. Um, decent booking as well to get Dakota Kai looking like she's not just some mate of mm. her mate, you know? I just find it funny. I find it amusing that they are such hypocrites. It just delights me. It really does. Something that I found very amusing came next. The only time I watch NXT at normal speed, whenever eyes are on my screen, <laughs> they're the best. Uh, they cut a promo basically on Hit Row. As we all know, we all sat down and watched the pre-pre-show. It's the best part of TakeOver in your house. Probably was, actually. <laughs> um, so it, uh, if you didn't see it, basically uh, Hit Row turned up and smashed their, their house, their child children's house, basically. Uh, so they show that footage and then they say, Hey, couple of t- couple of tough guys, huh? It <laughs> you know what I want to know, Dollar King? Huh? What are you doing, huh? Looking for a box of donuts, huh? In a house? <laughs> and they say, Hit row, you're gonna show up on the takeover pre pre show, destroy a house, and that's gonna be that. No, sir, I don't think so. Because <laughs> we, be- we, we, because we, oh, take a look. It's still just shattered in pieces. It's just bits of wood propped together. Wouldn't that be a lesson to you, Hitro? Huh? The next time you come knocking at huh? someone's door asking for a taste, you better be ready for someone to answer. And they ring the door. Bing bong. They ring the doorbell. And one of them goes, great craftsmanship. Everybody's rules. And they do rule, Sitch. I don't know why anyone else isn't like going mental for this. They're, they're one of the best things about NXT. Yeah, they're just so incredibly charming. Just they're the best. I love Ever Eyes. And because I love Ever Eyes, it's a very good idea, much as it will suck to watch. It's a very good idea to use them as a platform on which to get your new heel stable over. Um, I want to see them get brutalized. Oh. Like, you know, I want to see them get actually hurt because Hit Row, it feels totally superficial. Um, don't really radio with any danger. It's just marketing super like what could look cool through the lens of a 50-year-old bloke or a a room full of 50-year-old blokes. Get get heavy heat on Ever Eyes. It's right there. It is right there. They are the most endearing like fringe act on this show. Like just blood. (laughs) Make them die. It's they're gonna brutalize them, aren't they? It's sure. like, yeah, um, <laughs> just, just a straight tag match, and that's that. Yeah, Ever Eyes are gonna say it's top dollar's face, and that stooge is gonna deck him in real life because he's dead. <laughs> um, it's it's a great use of Ever Eyes, it is genuinely like this is pissed funny, it's really good, it's really fun to watch. Fun, uh, listen to your New York Canadian, um. And it should be fun to watch them get destroyed. That's the that's the point of this as well. You know, like as much as we love them, earnestly so, like you're establishing Hit Row as the most like violent force on this whole show. So this, I, I'm not convinced they're going to manage it, to be honest. I, I'm not so sure that the, the, the beating this needs to be, this Archer Marco stunt style decimation of these like mouthy tossers is going to be as good as we're building up as ever eyes, not with us, whatever eyes are building up to, because they're probably going to be more entertaining in the, in the like in the action itself. Yeah, I do apologize. I did have a spot on impression 
I've ever I've written. But when a, se- a sentence starts, oh, a couple of tough guys, huh? It, it's only <laughs> going to go one way. They're very, very close to a cop of haters. So, yeah. Do you know what I think they might do? Is uh, hit row, you know, they've always got the, the cups, Everize rules, sipping from that. I think, well, presume you presume coffee's in there, right? So, I think hit row are going to grab it and be like, oh, that's it now. We're going to chuck hot, your own hot coffee in your face, and then we're going to find out there's nothing in those cups ever. There's never been any <laughs> in those cups. They just pretend to sip out of it because they think it looks good and they're trying to shield some bloody cups. But yeah, 100%. I just, I'm so. I just love them being on my screen every single week. Uh, they confirmed Cole versus O'Reilly for the Great American Bash on July 6th uh, and announced, yeah, Adam Cole is in action while Scott O'Reilly faces Kushida, presumably non-title. Uh, and then Io Shirai walks out. She is back. She's announced that she's back. She clearly is, very, clearly is very happy to be back, but for sure if she can really say anything, announce what her plans are. She is inter- interrupted by Candice LeRae, who says, a lot has changed here in NXT since you were last here. Um, she said, you're no longer an uncrowned champion, but I am a champion, of course. I'm one half of the NXT Tag Team Champions. The one thing that has not changed is I still can't stand you, and you picked the wrong time to screw with me. Indy Hartwell jumps Shirai from behind. LeRae comes down to the ring and joins in. Um, they're fighting with her. Shirai fires up, gives Hartwell a tiger faint kick, goes for a springboard, uh, but uh, Lorray blocks it, pulls Shirai off the apron. They continue to beat her down. They look like they're going to put her through the announce desk. They they clear it. They put her on the announce desk. She tells Indy Hartwell, Candice Lorray, that is, uh, to get up there and, and give her an, a huge elbow drop. But who should run down to make the save? But one, Zoe Stark, she brawls with the way, sends them packing. And we've got a potential new tag team on our hands here, Michael Hamflet. Yeah, great. Just great, this. Um, Shirai and Zoe Stark is like one of those rare cases, certainly rare for NXT in the last like kind of couple of years where you feel like they've done the work from the very beginning, from Zoe Stark's debut to right now. This has been on the board. This has been something that they've planned for what they're going to do with Io Shirai when she loses the title, when this incredible reign comes to an end. I love that it was built off Basically, Candice LeRae establishing her and Io Shirai as legacy rivals. It was Shirai that first turned on LeRae for that Toronto banger in 2018. And then they had that awesome feud around Halloween Havoc last year. Like, she, like, talked me around into believing that as a a thing. You know, like, these two are these, like, sort of dominant forces that will always just ultimately come back together and fight. Like, really like that. Um, For the best possible outcome, which is a really cool tag team feud between these two teams. Um... Any time they can fool people into thinking that there's like a like enough wrestlers worthy of a division that like warrants women's tag belts in the next team, they're doing well. Uh, I think they've done that here. I think if you, like they've basically established two separate tag feuds and three separate sets of challenges with now Stark and Shirai at the top of the list. So I just like love everybody involved in this, and I just thought it was like super effective for wrestling television. Yes, yeah, it's good. Um there appears to be a solution to a problem that has just totally plagued NXT since it went to telly. And that is all these people who have just stuck around have got nothing to do. Tommaso Ciampa is relevant again. It's this class macho badass positioning Io Shirai in, as Hamfield points out, like a well-built and organic tag team and placing her in the tag team division is another good idea. Um, the women's tag team division represents an outlet to solve another problem. So, yep, good, strong booking. I'd like to know a bit more about Zoe Stark. 
bit of promo time, like round out the character a little bit. But beyond that, I've got zero complaints about it. Mm, yeah. Um, I just love the fact that when they announced, quite rightly we reacted this way, by the way, when they announced the NXT the women's tag team titles, we were like, why are they bloody doing that? They've got these other ones on the main roster. And now you've got all these, you're like, oh, okay, you've got to have this team face them, this and this new teams. And I think there's two female tag teams left across the whole of the main roster. Jesus Christ, lads. And, and what was the what was the feud they set up on Raw? Like, you're crap, you're ugly. Was that it? Uh, like, that's that's what they're... You're ugly, you're beneficial of nepotism, I think. Oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yes. Undeser- undeserving. That's it. You're ugly, you're undeserving. I'm, I don't want to get into it. It upsets me, all this. Anyway, weird. I don't know what happened next, really. Basically, it looked like we are going to get have a chat with Mackenzie Mitchell, Joe, and, and Regal. And she said, oh, it looks like uh, order's being restored in NXT. I don't know what show she's watching, but still, somewhat, I suppose. There's still chaos. There's still brawls left, right, and centre. But anyway... Regal goes to answer, and then they just went, right, go away from that. No one gets what he's got to say anymore. And then they just went to MSK eating popcorn, watching Champa and Thatcher head to the ring, and then Timothy Thatcher came back and, and nicked his popcorn. Horrible. Don't do that. Anyway, post-commercial break. All right, let's try again with that interview. So, yeah, I said, it looks like uh, order's being resorted in NXT. <laughs> and uh, they still don't get an answer, because before they can say anything, uh, in comes the unbearable... Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. Joe, 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 <laughs> Joe, in they come. Gargano thanked Joe for being NXT. He said how good it is that Joe's here. Austin Theory did a bloody diesel impression for no apparent reason. Uh, and then um, he said, uh, oh, can I do you? I'm oh, sorry, Joe said, can you do me a favor, Johnny? He said, sure, anything you want. Get out. <laughs> so he left. Then Pete Dunn came in and had to stare down. Stay down with Samoa Joe. What did you make of this outlet? I I don't know. Um, I don't. That strange directorial choice to cut to the MSK popcorn bit felt more like an accident than it did. Oh, it's still got like what's Samoa Joe going to do? Going to beat up the director if he pushes him or something? Like I didn't like how you cut away from my boss. Like the there was a um, was this where they slotted in the tease for the diamond mine as well? That's like next week. Like that was in between all this as well. So like it. It just, to be honest, it felt like they'd gone to Regal and Joe early and we weren't supposed to see them again. Why? Oh, hang on, we've got them leaving. We've still got to do that Johnny Gargano bit. Like, it, it wasn't it? Because didn't at the end of the main event, didn't they have Champa leaning down the lens and shouting down? And they went, all right, get rid of that. No one cares what you're doing. <laughs> it, it wasn't the kind of chaos that Samoa Joe's been brought into control. He doesn't have much say over what Kevin Dunn's going to do. Um, but otherwise, um, again, like it's, it's so dependent on the people involved. Uh, Gargano was really funny, really funny doing the Joe stuff. Um, but like he's one of the few that you can reduce to be like Regal's shown that his chemistry with Regal, he's like the rule proving exception of people that can have the piss taken out of them by an authority figure. The Pete Dunn one was like a whole lot of nothing, but it's just them wanting to remind you that Pete Dunn exists, which is a bigger problem than perhaps like he'd like to admit. I will say this we haven't had a chance to really speak about it. Pete Dunn's white gear does things to me, Michael. But- that was amazing, obviously. Uh, Way Barrett said it was obviously supporting England in the Euros, so we might never see it again unless like there's another national tournament that he wrestles during. But it was it was great. It was main event gear, so he was at least dressing for the job he wanted rather than the one he's got. Um, and there was one really cute detail that I liked that could ultimately lead to nothing, but if I say it on a podcast, it might will it into existence. Regal now obviously shares his office with Samoa Joe, 
And in terms of Joe getting comfy in that office, as well as the picture of the print of Blackpool, on the wall now is a poster for NXT TakeOver The End, which was the site where Samoa Joe became the only person to beat the demon in a steel cage. That's the Samoa Joe poster of choice. And I think one of these days, some, what we saw with Pete Dunne, we're going to have Samoa Joe and Finn Balor have that kind of nervy face off with one another and it's going to be in front of that poster and it's going to be that little reminder of what they've done to each other once before and I, don't, I thought it was quite nice again like it wasn't it wasn't an overt reference to the chaos that Joe used to cause but it was quite a nice nod to it Johnny might, be an, might, might be an insignificant detail sorry it was just something that I thought was quite nice it's okay you just want the, you just want the cred <laughs> yeah it's I've said so it I, first now yeah, it's out I, there. I do the exact same thing brother <laughs> um, Johnny Gargano literally plays a child <laughs> so it's fine for him to be a child I guess mileage will vary on the character he's certainly not enjoying the heights he did in 2018 so I wasn't annoyed by this because nah, you can't punch down to a kid can you? Well, Johnny Gargano Main event time the grizzled young veterans versus Champer and Thatcher in that tornado tag match a disappointing opening to this only because I didn't get to hear uh, whatever promo Zach Gibson was about to say, because as they walked out, they immediately got attacked by Champer and Thatcher. The brawl just starts. It's just wild from 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 the word go. Um, eventually, Grizzly Young Veterans uh, managed to isolate uh, Thatcher, double team in, work him over, but Champer comes in, he cleans house. Uh, eventually, Champer and Thatcher just have a lot of fun doing an exchange of charging uppercuts effectively. Later on, uh, Thatcher gets trapped in the submission hold, uh, but uh, Champa breaks it up, who then gets double teamed. They set up for a doomsday device, but Thatcher makes the save. And uh, well, it's all going on here because uh, we have the Grizzly Young Veterans looking to put, oh, sorry, before this, Champa hits a super air raid crash from the top rope. Uh, any, anyway, Grizzly Young Veterans are looking to put Champa either through the announce desk or, well, effectively, they put him through the, the thing that sits on top of the announce desk initially. That shatters as he gets hoyed onto it. Uh, and then they get him on the announce table. It looks like Gibson's going to pile driver him through the table. James Drake's dived into it to attack Thatcher to make sure he can't get involved. But Champa reverses it into an air raid crash onto the table. Oh, look rough as that. Um, Drake is yelling at Champa to get back in the ring. He's offering him in, but he doesn't realise Thatcher is behind him. Both Thatcher and Champa chop the crap out of him. Uh, fairy tale ending by Champa. Thatcher puts on an ankle lock. Champa uh, puts on an arm bar at the same time. James Drake traps out, taps out. Champa and Thatcher are victorious. Uh, and yeah, in the midst of all this, Champa starts cutting a promo saying, wait, one, they go, no, 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 to the back. Uh, Mackenzie is catching up with uh, Samoa Joe and William Regal are, are, are leaving and says, uh, oh, sorry, Regal says, I think things are going to be a little different around here. And uh, Joe says, night one of many, shall we? And they leave. What a conclusion, Sid. What do you think of it? I really like this main event a great deal. They finally grasped, so crucial to my enjoyment of this babyface team that I'm just kind of half in love with at this point, that you need a shred of theatre to being a badass. They have to acknowledge that it's a bit silly. And God damn it, they did it. My favourite bit of this match, which I thought in general, was just really well-structured but more so than the structure of a match, it just felt like they really engineered this like tone of animosity, like the two teams actually hated each other and just were desperate to beat each other up, which this is the good kind of chaos, not the kind of let's do loads of staged backstage fights to build towards some more jewel coming in. This actually felt like a chaotic, hateful match that was really well worked because look at the people involved. 
My favorite bit, man. Champa and Drake standing side by side on the ropes, giving each other chops. Mm. Champa's absolute desire to get chopped and to do some chopping is just totally great machismo stuff. Absolutely great. Loved that little sequence. Um, just class. A really fun time that I could take seriously. That was wrestled very well. This is really good. I want Champa and Thatcher to be the tag team champions. I really do. I, mean, I think they're class. They have such a match with MSK in the locker as well, don't they? Yeah. What the, the potential of that? I know we said that about the It might even wake up this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and MSK typically do. So this particular chemistry. Like, I said this before, and like AEW do this a lot more than NXT, but it's not easy to manufacture the particular energy that this match had, that like that real fight energy, because it does need, as it says, a theatre of pro wrestling. It is required to make it like feel like it belongs in a wrestling ring in the first place rather than a pub car park. And they just got the balance of that spot on. Um, I kind of get enough of Thatcher and Champa hitting like running punches to the face. Champa doing that in the wallet match made me realize I just wanted that every single time he fights. It just, again, it's the sort of thing that like, well, it wouldn't happen in a pub car park. He wouldn't like t- like hit one, then look for some ropes to bounce off in a corner and do it again. But for whatever reason, in the context of pro wrestling, I completely believe it. And these specific types of heels have that kind of pounding coming as well. Um, getting a real, I don't know if it's because of that pose where he pulls Satch's face back a little bit. I'm getting a real like, cruelest baby face Steiner Brothers energy to Thatcher and uh, Champer at this point. Um, yeah, love it. Love them. Um, we said this yesterday about, oh, well, like, who's going to win, who's going to lose, because you kind of you don't want either team to lose. But when people and characters are booked well, you can afford it. The Grizzly Young Vets didn't need protecting here. They will be fine. I think they need a big win soon, but I didn't consider them hurt by losing this one. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They can be dropped back into the title picture without really much of an issue. Uh, but great main event and uh, yeah, potentially set up with a sensational tag team title match down the road. Uh, and obviously we know what MSK can also do with the Grizzly Young Veterans. Very, very exciting time there for a division that a few months back we were concerned about, to say the very least. But an enjoyable episode of NXT. Very eventful one. Uh, lots to look forward to next week off, off the back of it. Let us know your thoughts on everything that went down, though, at WhatCultureWWE on Twitter. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, of course. Uh, but this has been the NXT Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. 
Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.